You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Hello and welcome back to Medically Unbiased. I'm your host, Tyler, and I'll be talking with Ron today. Let's say hello, Ron. Hey, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you fucking asshole. I knew you'd do it, finally. I've been waiting for that joke to come in for a while. Um, We have been gone for a while, and the reason we've been gone for a while is because there's a lot happening, and I apologize for that. You know, um, I realize that you guys give us some time of your lives to tune in and listen to the show, all three of you, and I really want you to know that I appreciate that time that you spend with us every week. And so I feel bad having neglected you for the last three of them, but we're back. Um, and we have some new info because it's super important. But before I get to that, I really want to highlight the fact that Ron started his own podcast because he's not, he's multidimensional. This guy, you know, he's not just a medical guy. What did you start? Tell me, tell me a little bit about your podcast. I started a Monday morning couch potatoes podcast. Monday morning couch potatoes. So I'm assuming that's sports. It's, <laughs> could be. I mean, it very well could be. It could be. But it, but it is. It is sports. We talk from Chicago, Las Vegas, and Dallas, like a triangulation experience. We talk about those three regions. Okay. And then we talk about sports and beyond. So anything that's happening in the sports world now. Uh, if it's important or relevant for us to talk about, we talk about it. Well, that's cool. So to my listeners, if you're into sports, you need to go check out his podcast. Um, it's actually pretty fun. He's got a lot of uh, breakdown of different players and events happening. So check it out. I've listened a couple times, and I'm not even into sports. And I listened, one, because I'm a good friend, and two, uh, I wanted to learn something about sports. You know, Yeah, so, it, yeah it was nice. Yeah, so you can hit us up at um, – Monday morning couch potatoes.com or tweet us. Yeah. Give us a tweet at MM Couch Potatoes. MM Couch Potatoes. Send him all your picks. He likes to go through your picks uh, of the week. Yeah, there you go. We See. do our pick special at the end. Yep. Yeah, there That's you go. All right. Thanks, no problem. So back to medical stuff. In the medical world, we've been talking a lot about, well, coronavirus. It's really the only thing happening now. Nobody gets sick of anything else anymore, it seems. I mean, yeah, we still have, you know, cardiomyopathies and heart disease and, you know, abdominal pain. But really the biggest talk, it happened all through the presidential debates about who was doing what, when, and how, and where, is COVID. And now we have, at least there's a vaccine that is viable. Um, yeah, 90%. 90% effective. Um, they're talking about it. They haven't released it. They haven't given it to anybody or told anybody that you had to take it yet. There's still talk about that. But at this point in time, it seems like we're moving forward with a vaccine. The stock market's very happy because the vaccine is almost to record highs today. I mean, yeah. like almost hit 30,000 <laughs> NASDAQ, which is insane. Um, because I anticipated major falls from so many businesses shuttering and having problems. Yeah, so did I, which so, make, makes no sense. Nah, yeah, but I'm, that's why I do medical stuff and not uh, financial. I let someone else take care of that for me. Yeah. So today, this is going to be kind of a 
four part series, I believe. I'm I'm guessing it's gonna be four parts. The first part today, we're gonna talk a little bit about the timeline. Well, a lot of bit about the timeline. We're gonna discuss the COVID timeline, but I want to get accurate, an accurate like accounting of events, right? So how do we move forward from here so that next time we can either notice that we're screwing up, address the problem moving forward. And just like it would be in the real medical world where I don't think this is being talked about because everyone's so freaking political about this idea. But I think that we need to have a no nonsense, no bullshit assessment of where we've been, where we're going and how we're going to move forward and what did we get right? What did we get wrong? And how do we curtail it next time? You know, and then I think we need to discuss the secondary effects of COVID. And I think that's going to be one of the next podcasts is what, what has happened to people that maybe not, they didn't experience COVID, but you know, we know that there's problems. We know that death rates are up for other things. Domestic abuse is up, you know, child abuse and violence in child rape is up. The horrible things that happen in society are higher. Murder rates are higher than ever before. So these things are all something that need to be discussed as well. So we'll break these little segments, I think, into three or four different podcasts. And then coming up in a few weeks, I've got a friend of mine that lives abroad, and he's going to come on and talk about their response why they were so effective and how the measures would have never probably worked in the U S because they were so, so counter to what America supports with freedom and moving about the country. And, you know, so, cause Australia was even good at squashing this thing, but they stopped. Yeah. They stopped interstate transport. They stopped interstate moving between States. Like you couldn't even go between parts of the country. Mm but they're back open with hardly any deaths right now. So let's break down for everyone listening. We're going to break down the timeline. Uh, so Ron, what did you, you did some research independently. I did research independently. We didn't work on this together. And I'm really yeah. curious now because you looked at it from the WHO's perspective, correct? Correct. So, I pulled, I pulled data and dates that I can find through WHO's timeline of COVID-19 response where I can see what they did when, you know, what the information that they received and what they're going to do or what they did to mitigate this problem. Okay. So so what the WHO did, not what the necessarily the U S did. Correct. Cause um, so first and foremost, sometime between December 12th and December 29th, there was, 59 pneumonia cases in Wuhan that the WHO heard about somehow. They just knew about it from, or if they knew about it, they knew about it secondhand because they, because the WHO does not actually go to Wuhan until they don't, they don't actually go to Wuhan until 1231, December 31st. So, so they, didn't, they didn't even go to Wuhan until yeah, after till, the cases started. Yeah, which is interesting because we know COVID now that, you know, there's 14 plus days of you may not see symptoms 14 plus days later. So two weeks, right? So if these people were having 59 patients sometime between December 12th and 
December 29th, you figure probably the beginning of the very beginning of December based on what China's saying to right. WHO. Okay. So, so we know there was, there's cases early December. Then what do you have? And then, um, as I said, 1231, uh, WHO found, uh, found out through a media statement that pneumonia was, was prevalent in Wuhan. Um, on one, one, the WHO activated. So really January 1st, the WHO activated the incident management support team. Okay. And on one four, they put out a tweet about the cases and then one nine WHO reported that the Chinese um, authority have determined the outbreak as novel coronavirus. So this would be one nine, January nine. So January nine, we have them saying that they know there's a new virus, right? As of of January 9th. Yeah, we know of it as as coronavirus on, right. on January so 9th. So it has a name on January 9th. This is all according to WHO's website, right? Correct. This is according to their timeline. Okay. So let's go let's go back a minute and compare what I found. Now when I looked at stuff, I didn't I didn't just use the WHO site. I decided to see what I could find from all levels of press. Yeah. So I used Al Jazeera TV. I used Time Magazine. I used The Lancet, which is a, a scientific research journal. I used um, all my research stuff from both school and work to determine, like, American College of Cardiology. And I used a bunch of different data sources to try and find this. And what I found interesting is the deeper I tried to find or deeper I tried to dig, the more pushback I got from Google in my research because I wouldn't find what I was looking for. I would just find a political opinion counter to what I was searching for. So to explain that, I would say, when did Trump lock down the U S like what date? And mm-hmm. it would say, all, I mean, the first four pages of Google were responses like Trump's coronavirus response is ineffective. Trump uh, or Trump uh, has not been helpful in the coronavirus response team. He has failed the American people. It was just it wasn't had nothing to do with locking down. Nothing I researched early on would talk about the lockdown. It would only talk about his ineptitude. Well, the funny thing, funny you say that is because I I did the same search for the Trump lockdown. Okay, right? Yeah, Google has what they call a, uh, like you start typing words in and then it kind of predicts right? what your, um, excuse me, it kind of predicts what your, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Oh, it kind of predicts what like you're going to Predictive text, essentially. It's kind of knows what right? you're going to say. So when I started typing that stuff in, it, it had no prediction, nothing. There was not even a... You're telling me in the last eight months, nobody typed up and did a search, a Google search for, you even did it. Yeah, I did it. Uh, of when the trip lockdown is. When when I type it in now, it, nothing comes up. That's it's kind of, That's funny. Well, <laughs> funny, weird. I mean, to me, it's funny, odd. And I'm not saying whether I'm a Trump supporter or a non-Trump supporter or whatever, but uh, 
I'm saying that when I'm looking for scientific data, I really don't need my politics mixed with my science. Yeah. You know, um, by the way, I turned that offline and it, and it doesn't beep at me anymore. Just so you know. <laughs> um, so going back to my timeline here, I went back and China officially reports their first case of COVID on December 8th. And they reported that to the WHO. Now, the Guardian, which is a news journal newspaper out of uh, Europe, the EU, obtained mm-hmm. reports from other news media outlets, including the South China Morning Post, that documents cases as early as November 17th. What was November 17th? Oh. COVID cases in China as early as November 17th. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So the Economic Times, which is a London publication, published on March 30th that there on December 10th, there was a 57-year-old female, and they name her, it's Wei, W-E-I, Guixin, G-U-I-X-I-A-N, and excuse me if I'm butchering this name, I apologize, I do not speak Chinese, and I, I, say the, I will say the name wrong, I'm just saying now I apologize. This person was identified by the Wall Street Journal um, as selling shrimp at the seafood market in Hunan, on December 10th, and she developed a cold. Both the Economic Times and the Wall Street Journal have referred to her as patient zero. However, I don't know how they can do that because China already admitted their first case in December 8th, and the China Morning Post documents cases as early as November 17th. So I do not trust info coming out of the WHO or China at that time. I have a hard time going back to that moment and saying that they're able to identify patients. And I don't know that they'll ever be able to identify patient zero there. No, I don't, I don't think so. So, um, reports didn't even emerge. Now they knew, so if they knew on December 8th, there was a problem, right? On December 31st, Taiwan sent a letter to the W. So the Taiwanese government, and the physicians in Taiwan wrote a letter. Then they said, quote, we have at least seven atypical pneumonia cases. And these are being isolated for treatment. Unquote. That was Taiwan. Excuse me. Taiwan's forest foreign ministry tells time magazine in an emailed statement that this precaution was the quote smoking gun. It strongly suggests that there was the possibility of human to human transmission. Unquote. Now, since it would not have been necessary for the, if the disease was not infectious, public health officials could have discerned from the wording an implied warning about a contagion, according to statements from Taiwan's foreign ministry and the CDC. Now, that was on December 31st. So on December 31st, the Chinese government investigating, quote, an outbreak of a respiratory illness in the central city of Wuhan, unquote. Correct. And the WHO on December 31st is claiming they have found out through a media statement from the Chinese Republic that there was pneumonia by by the Wuhan Municipal Health um, Commission that so they they are saying they heard about it through media outlook outlet in China. 1231. Right. So. There's nothing, what's interesting through the WHO, because I'll take the WHO side of it since I've looked it up. Okay. 
I, what's interesting is there's no documentation that I can find on their timeline that says that there was any patients in Taiwan at all. Okay. They actually indicate that the first uh, case outside of Wuhan was in Thailand on January 13th. The, say that again. The first case was in Thailand on January 13th. January 13th. Yeah. And see, Thailand issued a, a major statement saying that uh, that that's not the case at all. You know? Yeah. So they're saying January 13th, Thailand's first case outside of Wuhan. The first death of COVID-19 by WHO's timeline was January 11th. I know. Jeez. That's messed up. Okay. Well, we know that's not true because they were adamant they already had seven cases on December 31st. And January 14th, the WHO says limited human-to-human transmission. Limited. Yeah, limited, right. On January 14th. Yeah. Limited. Right. Which, so, which, uh, Thai, which your statement from Thailand is saying, or Taiwan. Taiwan. Was saying that it is human-to-human transmission, that, that it's it's quite possible, that they, right? they strongly suggest. So yeah. Taiwan strongly suggests that there's the possibility of human-to-human transmission because it's very atypical pneumonia that wouldn't, like you wouldn't have seven people get this from an animal to a person. You know what I mean? They would have all had to have been in contact with that particular animal. Yeah, so January 14th, WHO says limited human-to-human transmission. Investigation by the Chinese authority found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission on January 14th. Okay. So China's already is, is continuing to lie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's if it's the lie or if it's just failure to want to be honest, I don't know. Or complacency, I don't know. COVID death. And on the 13th, we already have a first case of, of, of Thailand to have a first case of, of COVID. Well, on the following day, Chinese authority is saying there is no clear evidence of human to human transmission. Right. So going backwards here, we've got on January 6th, 7th and 8th, somewhere in there, uh, the CDC issued a series of warnings for like three days about uh, that's our CDC in the U.S., issued mm-hmm. travel warnings for Americans wishing to go to China that you were to take precautions. Um, it says it's closely monitoring the virus, but there are no known cases in the U.S. as of January 6th, 7th, or 8th. That's when they issued that statement, right? So then on the January 10th, the WHO issued a document entitled Advice for international travel and trade in relation to the outbreak of pneumonia caused by the new COVID or sorry, the new coronavirus in China. So as of January 10th, like you were just saying, you said the 11th or 12th, right? Yeah. So the 10th through the 12th, the WHO issued a guidance package, right? Which I believe is the, which basically, uh, says avoid close contact, frequent hand washing, avoid close contact with live or dead farm animals. Travel yeah. with symptoms, yeah. don't travel, sneezing. And it says, the the document goes on to state, and I quoted this in my notes, it says, quote, Wuhan City is a major domestic international transport hub. 
Currently, there are no reports of cases outside Wuhan City. Okay, this is on the 10th of January. Yeah, as of January, that is true. Okay, well, that's not true because Taiwan had seven. Correct. So this from their timeline. From from their their timeline, correct. So given the heavy population movements expected to significantly increase during the Chinese New Year in this last week of January, the rise of cases being reported from elsewhere is increased. Um, The risk, excuse me, the risk of cases being reported from elsewhere is increased. WHO does not recommend any specific health measures for travelers. It is generally considered that the entry screening offers little benefit while requiring considerable resources. In case of symptoms suggestive to respiratory illness before, during, or after travel, the travelers are encouraged to seek medical attention and share travel history with their health care provider. The WHO advises against the application of any trade or travel restrictions on China based on information currently available on this event. That's funny that they put that in there. They didn't want anyone to restrict... This is in a. This is you can look this up. Anyone who's listening to this podcast can look this up. It's called. It's January tenth. It's a document from the WHO. It's titled "The WHO Advice for International Travel and Trade in Relation to Outbreak of Pneumonia Caused by the New Coronavirus in China." That's the title of the document. So they're saying yeah. to do not restrict travel from China or to China. They're pretty adamant about that. That it's not a problem. Don't restrict. Now, just remember, Taiwan already had sick patients, and they sent a letter saying that it's person-to-person transmission, and Taiwan was locked down. They locked everything down. Early. January 1, yeah. So, in January 11th, the New York Times article states that Chinese media reported the first known death from this virus. 61-year-old male who frequented the market in Wuhan. Which we know market had nothing to do with it. Correct. But this is what's on the timeline. Yeah, no, I I know. I'm saying we're 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 looking at eyes, you know, in the past, right? We're Yeah, right, right. So, so the eleventh, yes. The first death is on the timeline that I see for the WHO. Okay. Which is before the the tenth through the twelfth is the that guidance package that they were talking about with travel and that. Correct. So they have a death from this virus, and they say, eh, keep coming. It's fine. It's no big deal. Not a problem. Okay, good to know. So what do you have after that? Um, January 16th, Japanese reports second case outside of Wuhan. And at the same time, on the 16th, the CDC said that the U.S. will screen passengers arriving from Wuhan, which is against what the WHO has requested. So they held a briefing, the CDC held a briefing on the virus, and officials say the U.S. will start to screen passengers arriving from or connecting through Wuhan. Now, they did not realize that a lot of those Wuhan flights, if you look at a map of Wuhan flights, they're not strictly coming to the U.S. It's not like a direct flight from Wuhan. A lot of flights are going to Europe, Spain, Portugal. You know, Japan. There's a lot of flights going to other places, not the U.S. So, yeah. 
And then on the 19th, the WHO Western Pacific Regional Office tweeted that according to the latest information received and WHO analysis, there was evidence of limited limited human-to-human transmission. That was a social media tweet on the 19th of January. And what's funny is on the 19th of January, we already, you already know that there's Taiwan. Mm-hmm. We know that there's two Japanese mm-hmm. and then there was one Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Or Thailand. Mm-hmm. So why so we, would, we know it's leaving the country and getting out by that time? Yeah, we know that it is. Well, somebody knows. I probably don't know at that time. I can't. Honestly, I don't remember what I ever lunch yesterday. Let's be honest. If it's not written down, it didn't happen in my calendar. <laughs> but to go back to January and try and pretend like I remember exactly what happened then, I'm wrong. Yeah. There's that's no. I can't I can't remember for sure if I remember that. I do remember having conversations with my buddy that lives in Taiwan who was telling me that he didn't believe China's numbers coming out of China. Cause I remember, I distinctly remember at 80,000 death, 80,000 deaths is what China ended up at. And my buddy keeps saying more like 800,000. If not more possibly, but anyway, back to the facts. So let's get back to the facts. So I remember I said, you know, they through news outlets in December mm-hmm. and January all the way up till like uh, January 15th, 16th, all the stuff that they're reporting. Actually, WHO does not go to Wuhan until January 20th through the 21st. WHO concluded first mission to Wuhan. Wow. So they, they hadn't even stepped foot for a month, almost a month. Wow. Okay, so so they're, they're a minimum of a month behind China's own admissions, but... They're two months behind if we go to the November 17th time frame that China Morning Post had initially stated, according to Guardian and Wall Street Journal. Yep. Okay, so now you have a notice of the first U.S. case, right? What Correct. Do you, what do you show as the first U.S. case? This is coming from WHO. Yeah, WHO says the first uh, U.S. case was reported on January 21st out of uh, Washington, I believe. Okay. Now, I saw that report, too. But I also read a report in the Lancet um, that was published on April 4th talking about the very first U.S. COVID case confirmed in a traveler who had recently visited China but had returned to Illinois. It was a woman in her, in her 60s, had no symptoms during travels and did not start feeling bad until six days after coming back to the U.S. So this would have been towards the end of January. Her husband, who did not travel was admitted to the hospital for eight days for evaluation. Mm. So the following day, so this is funny because the information I got on some of this came from different news sources. So in this post, I just had to laugh because um, ah, it didn't work on mine either. I thought I could fix the beeping. Dang, I'm getting messages. I didn't hear no, that's right. I didn't hear it. But- All right, cool. Um, so the crazy part here is that in one of the news reports, it says the first case. And then it also says the following day, Trump says at a news con, like, I don't, I don't care. I really don't yeah. like, 
because they're trying to say that he was saying it's totally under control. It's only one person coming from China and we have it under control. Well, what's he supposed to say? Run for your lives. Kill yourselves. It's going to kill everybody. No. Um, no. But the funny part is, is that they felt it was important to include that in this date of what Trump said. Yeah. I only want to know the, the facts, what was done. I don't care who's, I don't care if it's Republican. I don't care what the politicians said. Right. What was done? What did we find? And to me, the Lancet's more accurate because it's a scientific journal. Maybe I'm wrong in that thinking, but you know, they seem to have a ton of research on these two patients. Now it is interesting by the way. So if you go to the eight days out, right? So if we go to the first transmission document and so January 30th is when they would have been, her, the first patient and her husband would have been in the hospital. Um, they were, yeah. they were discharged and home to isolate in mid February, and they were home isolation was lifted thirty three days after initial infection, and after two respiratory specimens were negative. So patient one had SARS CoV two positive testing in her stool, in addition to her respiratory tract, mm. but her husband, patient two, did not have it in his stool. Close contract tracing was done on 372 contacts with patient zero. Although 372 were identified, 347 underwent active symptoms monitoring, and that included 152 community contacts and 195 healthcare personnel. Of those, 43 patients out of that 347 became PUIs, or patients under suspicion or under investigation. And despite having symptoms, these 43 patients all tested negative for SARS-CoV-2. 32 of those were healthcare workers and 11 were community contacts. 18 had a low risk exposure and 26 had medium or greater exposures. All of the 32 healthcare workers tested were negative seven days after a known exposure. Okay. So, I mean, that they should have retested at 14. Correct. They didn't, though. That's the irony here, in my opinion. That's the takeaway, right? Is they only checked them in a a week. And we know now that the incubation period is up to 14 days or more. Yeah. So, January 21st is the first case reported out of the U.S. by the WHO. So, that means that we have a report. We have two cases in Japan, we have one in Thailand. We have, Thailand. that's what, uh, then we have seven in Taiwan, Ty, um, Taiwan, Taiwan. And then of course we had the cases in China, right? 57 or something cases in China that, well, at the time, and, yeah. And on January 20th, the WHO said there was no need for public health emergency of international concern on January 20th, right. that they needed 10 more days to make a decision. So on the 29th of January, the U.S. designed and created the Coronavirus Task Force that was headed by Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar and included Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, so the WHO does not declare it a pandemic until January 30th, which is the highest level of, you know, um, concern or whatever. They're at the time, January 30th, at the time, 
There was, they're saying at the time on January 3rd, WHO is saying there was 98 cases, no deaths, and 18 countries involved. 98 cases, but they didn't. No they didn't talk about it being a pandemic then, did they? I thought they didn't even say. Well, they declared it that public health emergency of international concern on January 30th. Okay, but they didn't say it was a pandemic at the time, right? Unless they, I, I don't that. think they used the word pandemic. Because I thought, I'm looking here in my notes, I thought that they, the WHO didn't declare it a pandemic until February something or March something. I very well could. So this is the high, they're just saying that this uh, P-H-E-I-C, the acronym, okay. was the highest level of, uh, of alarm from the WHO stand, standpoint. Okay. But what's interesting, though, is there was also a case. So remember, 98 cases, no deaths. But we just said that there was a death in China. So the, <laughs> Correct. So now they're saying there's no deaths, but there was 18 countries. A few more things happened in January. January 24th, there was three cases in France. January 29th, the director general, which is the, the director of the WHO, spoke and had an argument with President uh, Xi Jinping. Okay. But doesn't, doesn't, dic- doesn't say anything more. That on the 29th, they, they had an argument. That's well, it. I wonder what they were arguing about. What, you mean Trump had an argument with them? No. No, no. The director general. So the head of the oh. WHO had an argument with the, the president of China. China. Yeah, who knows? It does not say anything. It's really weird because it doesn't say in their timeline what they argued about. And then on the 29th, uh, the UAE had their first case. Right. United Arab. And on January 31st, Trump blocked travel from China. He issued an executive order who blocked entry to the U.S. from anyone who has been in China for the last 14 days. But that did not apply to U.S. residents and family members or spouses of U.S. residents or citizens. But the I order mean, didn't become effective until February 2nd. I mean, he started as about as early as, about as, early as you can get. I mean... The, well, considering that everyone's saying it's not a problem. <laughs> but on the... Well, okay, so WHO declares uh, highest level, Right. 98 cases, no deaths, 18 countries, okay. the Chinese government says. So on January 30th, the WHO congratulates the Chinese government for the extraordinary measures it has taken to, con- to contain the outbreak. So on we're, January 30th, we're two and a half months after their first case. And they're being congratulated on containment, yet we have cases everywhere. <laughs> we have cases outside of China. They're <laughs> All being over con- the place. Yeah, they're being congratulated by the nice. WHO. Okay, so on the 31st of January, Trump blocked travel from China. We In February 2nd, that took effect. And Alex Azar, who is the uh, leader of the COVID task force, declared the coronavirus a public health emergency. Okay. Um, and the, and it wasn't until, so nothing really happens after that, according to my timeline. I mean, there's probably tons of little idiosyncrasies that happen through there, 
but yeah. I'm all going all the way up to February 26th now, almost four weeks later. And they find the first community spread case documented. Now, why they're not calling the wife to husband community spread, I don't know. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't study pandemics, so I'm sure there's a def- definition that I'm not grasping somewhere there. But to me, that seems more community spread because he didn't, that gentleman didn't go to China. And he got it from his wife. But maybe it's because it's close family and they share the same bed. And so they're not calling it community spread. But the first person in California is a person in California is confirmed to have the coronavirus without documented travel to hotspots or contact with another infected person. No documented knowledge of contact. So the unknown source for the infection confirms that community spread of the virus is taking place in the U.S. Because they couldn't. So because they couldn't confirm where it came from, they're just assuming it happened spontaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, got breathed on by the wrong person or something. Um, again, in this article I read, they outline what Trump said on that day. Oh, it's just funny. Like, I don't care. February 11th, we the WHO named the virus COVID-19. Right on. Well, on February 26th, Vice President Mike Pence is named the head of the White House Task Force, and Dr. Deborah Bricks is named the response coordinator. So this is on the 26th of February. We're attacking it, right? Now, I do know that on February 29th, the FDA eased guidelines, because there's really strict guidelines on how to do testing in labs around the world, around the country. Yeah. So testing supplies were a concern in the U.S. at that time. We didn't have a lot of these tests. We didn't have them developed. Um, China, South Korea, they were able to test at higher rates than we were at the time because they had been dealing with this for a while. Um, And we weren't really prepared, I don't think, as a country to test for this virus because we had been being told it's not a problem. Um, So... We the FDA announced eases the guidelines and announces it'll permit certain US labs to test for coronavirus using diagnostics developed and validated by laboratories without prior review. So I think this is a big reason why we got so much misinformation early on. We opened up the floodgates to everyone to be able to test, and then there was really it seems to be there was very little oversight in what that testing entailed. Or, you know what I mean? Because remember early on in February, we were like, how many do we have? How many have we tested? Is it positive? Is it accurate? Maybe it's not accurate. And there was a lot of discussion about whether or not testing was even accurate at the time. Yeah, it's, uh, man, but we know now. You can only fight it then. Well, so on February, that same day, the Surgeon General tweeted. Now, this is interesting to me. The Surgeon General tweeted, this is his quote, seriously, people, stop buying masks, all in capital letters. They are, quote, their capital letters not effective in preventing the general public from catching coronavirus. But if healthcare providers can't get them to care for sick patients, it puts them and our communities at risk. Now, know that. 9,970 some comments were made. 
there was 64,000, 65,000 retweets of that. And it got uh, liked almost 80,000 times. Okay. Not a lot, but for a Surgeon General, that's decent. That's a lot, yeah. Right? Now, if you go... <laughs> If you go to his uh, most recent tweet, <laughs> uh, if you go to his most recent tweet, where's that? It's actually kind of funny. So his most recent tweet is, please wear a mask at all times when outside your immediate household. Practice good hand hygiene, and it's critical that we limit social interactions to our immediate household for the next several weeks. Otherwise, hospitals won't be able to provide care for COVID or anything else. That was the Surgeon General's most recent tweet as of yesterday. Yeah. Guess how many comments that has. Now, his February one, remember, had almost 10,000, plus comments, 78,000 likes or 79,000 likes and 65,000 retweets. This comment yesterday got 212 comments, 1,000 retweets, and almost 3,000 likes. Compared to 10,000, 65,000, almost 80,000. Are people over it? Sign- I, I think so. Significantly different. Now, that to me shows me that the surgeon, no one's giving a crap what he says. What the Surgeon General says, they've lost their ability to be relevant. You know? Well, because unfortunately, the, the, the problem that we have is that there was too many people they were saying a lot of things before they they had the information or knew the information. They were guessing or grasping at straws. Right. And when you grasp at straws, sometimes you mess. Yeah, fair and, enough. But, you know, you're going to say, don't wear a mask. You know, it's funny. I just saw something on Facebook today that kind of the analogy of, of wearing a mask. And uh, it, was a, it was a guy with his pants down <laughs> on another guy. There were two guys standing in front of each other, right? And what are you watching guy, on Facebook? Jimmy Christmas. Yet, uh, I don't know. I don't even want to know what you're doing. Anyway, go so ahead. So the guy pees on the other guy. The other guy pulls his pants down. He pees on the other guy. So they both get pee on. But the one guy pulls up his pants, and the guy that has his pants down pees on him. Well, he still gets pee on his pants. <laughs> then they both pull up their pants. They both pee, and guess what? They pee on themselves. No one got pee on. Yeah. <laughs> no one got pee on. <laughs> So is, is that what we're, is that where it's all, what, when it's all said and done, is that what we're boiling down to is this, what's crazy is now we're going through this timeline right now and we are seeing, you know, things that are not adding up from the WHO standpoint and from everything that's been reported on by multiple media outlets, the numbers don't even, the, the, the timeline doesn't even make sense. And right. some of the things that they're saying, like, how, how is this not investigated? Like, why on January 22nd, why was it there, were, there was no need for a public health emergency of international concern when there was already people that have caught COVID outside of Wuhan? And death of people with COVID. Because on, there was a Chinaman that died, a Chinese gentleman who's 61 years old died as a, on January 11th, according to the New York Times article. Like, why is, like, and I'm not picking one. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, so going forward, like we're talking into March now, the house passed, the the U.S. house 
of representatives passed a bill to aid in the immediate health response to coronavirus. And Trump signed that into law March 6th. It was an $8.3 billion emergency bill. Now, it's ironic that we're now March 8th, right? We've had info from Taiwan stating that there's human-to-human transmission. We have info from patient zero that I found in the Lancet, and you found a patient zero supposedly in Washington a day before. And the Lancet talks about how this woman had patient-to-patient transmission to her husband, and even though neither one of them passed away, the husband had severe COPD. So it's kind of ironic he didn't die. The husband in the first thing I talked about in Illinois. Mm -hmm. But Fauci goes on 60 Minutes and says masks are not necessary. He talks about how they're just not important. They don't, they don't do anything. Uh, they're not gonna, I don't know. It's kind of funny. So he, I remember that we played that. We played that in a previous podcast. Yes, we did. We absolutely did. Oh, damn computer. I can't shut this off. How do I shut it off? Um, so what are we, what are we, well, the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't until March 11th until the WHO declared for the first time that SARS-CoV-2 is a global pandemic. Their, their document, the WHO on March 11th, I think you probably have it in your timeline too. There, it says that there are now more than 118,000 cases in 114 countries and 4,291 people have lost their lives. So that was documented on March 11th from. Would you believe it? So, yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, I'm not seeing that data under the WHO. Only thing that they have on March 11th was deeply concerned, both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of uh, inaction. Sorry, I got listed. WHO made the assessment that COVID-19 could be characterized as a pandemic. Yeah. So on March 11th, they made the assessment that it could be characterized. Speaking of the COVID-19 meeting briefing, the director general highlighted how WHO had been in full response mode since being notified of the first cases and called every day for countries to take urgent and aggressive action. But you, we already know that that, that they weren't doing that in their own timeline. They're not doing that. Right. Right. Uh, Recognizing that the COVID-19 was not just a public health crisis, but one that would touch every sector. Emphasizing that we cannot say this loudly enough or clearly enough or often enough. He stressed that all countries can still change the course of this pandemic if they detect, treat, test, isolate, trace, and mobilize their people in the response. He stressed that the the challenge for many countries who are now dealing with large clusters or community transmission is not whether they can do the same, it's whether they will. So... (laughs) But we know that, listen, it took them 10 days to make it an international crisis. Right. 
Took him 10 days. Well, and if we knew all this data, then why did Fauci say this? Fusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Why were they wearing masks everywhere? I don't know. I don't know. Let's find out. Right now in the United States, <laughs> people should not be walking around with masks. You're sh- now, this is March, March 8th. Okay, we've no, supposedly we have human to human transmission documented from numerous other sources. Sure, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences people keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face and can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there of course of course but when you think masks you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill so yeah he talks that there's no need for masks i love that that's hilarious yeah he was stressing it pretty pretty vehemently that there's yeah. no need for it right i mean and at the time, I gotta, I gotta say, at the time, well, kind of now too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've always, I've always been a mask, no, a no mask person. You know what I mean? When was that video taken? Or no, uh, March eighth. That was March eighth on sixty minutes. March eighth. Right. So three, four days later, three days later on the March eleventh, the WHO uh, declares it a pandemic, and Trump. Bans travel from Europe. The ban included 26 countries. The UK and Ireland were not included, and U.S. citizens were exempt. And then a week later, officials announced that the ban would be expanded to the UK and Ireland. So, uh, yeah, and March 18th, WHO publishes guidance on mental health and psychological, psychosocial considerations during the COVID-19 outbreak. Well, at least they were thinking about that. Right. So check this out. March 13th, a national emergency is declared from the president, granting access to like $50 billion in funding for states. And it allowed for waivers for doctors and hospitals uh, in our response to the virus. So hospitals were able to do a lot more, be a lot more flexible with hiring practices and with getting people in and out and there was no uh issues with overcapacity. you know what i mean like double stacking rooms that kind of thing it eliminated a lot of those barriers that are currently in place when there's not a pandemic right um and then march 17th is when we locked down yeah the during a news conference the president asks everyone to work at home if possible postpone travel and limit social gatherings to no more than 10 people now, one thing we should do is we need to find out where these guidelines came from. The six feet rule, the 10 people rule. Like, what is, where's the science behind this? So, the WH on March 23rd, the WHO and FI, FIFA mm. launched, passed the message to, to kick out coronavirus awareness campaign. 
led by world-renowned footballers who called on people around the world to protect their health through washing hands, coughing etiquette, no touching one's face, maintaining physical distance, and staying home if feeling unwell. But no mention of a mask. No mention of a mask. There's no mention of masks in that entire thing. Like Fauci was talking on the 8th, there's no mention of masks being necessary. Correct. And this was this was uh, March 23rd. Okay. So the 24th, Mark Trump says he wants the country to open back up by April 12th. <laughs> <laughs> um, he tweeted that the cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. And he was worried that the U.S. economy was going to crumble. And Fauci came out and said that the virus decides the timeline, not the president. Yeah. um, On the 27th of March, we signed, the president signed a $12.2 trillion emergency spending bill, which gave uh, everybody $1,200 per individual and $1,200 per child because children aren't worth as much as adults, I guess. (laughs) And... uh, then it also allowed for 377 billion in loans for small businesses. Anyway, so there was a bunch of money available for people and we supported arts in the arts center and, you know, Washington monument needed a couple billion. So, yeah, cause th- that needs it. Anyway, <laughs> that was supported. And then, um, so so let's just go back cuz cuz right. we're just I know we're just rattling off a bunch of data. So from our perspective, at least from my perspective, I already see a con- there's already concern based on the information we've been getting. Yeah. Since January. Yeah, Sometime at least, January, at least. I mean, I feel that the that China, the country was complicit in not be coming forth with more information sooner. It seems to me that there's evidence, at least there's the preponderance of evidence um, or the suggestion of evidence that they had cases as early as November 17th. And if we rely on China, I guess my takeaway from this is that if we as a country, forget every other country for a moment, let's yeah. be let's be Americans and self-serving and annoying and not care about the rest of the world and care about ourselves because we're shallow. Yeah. Um, if I'm only caring about me and us and the world I have directly in front of me, I'm not trusting China ever again when they say to me, uh, we have a virus. It's not so bad. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't trust them. Well, I mean, I don't trust the government. But, I but, say I don't trust a Chinese person, but yeah. No, I think that the Chinese government really. I think I do think that they knew more than they're letting on. And I think that they did not want this to get out because I think it, it hurt globally. I think it hurt their economy. Um, people, you know, being able to transport stuff to and fro and be able to function on a global scale as a business, I think was affected by this virus for sure. So they did not want, I can understand why they didn't want that to happen. And they tried to sweep it under the rug. But to me, this is kind of like the child that broke the vase that tried to glue it together. And it just got found out that the vase was broken. Yeah. 
you know, and it's, and it was a very expensive million dollar vase. Now it's glued together. I mean, who do you blame? And right now from the timeline up through March, at least we're through March. It seems to me that we, we responded as best we could. Maybe we should have responded a little sooner or done something a little differently earlier. I don't know. I mean, listen, you, you asked for March, you asked for March, you asked for Trump to, to stop the travel ban. Uh, he stopped it one day after they deemed it a pandemic or not a pandemic, a, a, um, global, global problem, essentially emergency. Right. 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 So he did it. He, you know, they, they, put that in on uh, the global emergency went through on when was that? Oh, uh, the 30th, January 30th. And Trump stops travel the 31st. Mm -hmm. Remember Trump's getting his information from the WHO, which at this time there was some issues going on between the two. Yeah, he absolutely. didn't trust the WHO either. And reading the t- WHO timeline, I don't trust them either. I mean, they sat here and congratulated China on how and it, on what an amazing job they did, right? Containing the pandemic. Well, like, I, so I mean, Trump went as far as to sign an executive order restricting green cards, but that didn't happen until April 22nd. I mean, we constantly and continuously as a country slowly locked more and more down and narrowed our our lockdown. Now, had we yeah. done what other countries did, like it seems that Australia was very draconian in its lockdown. Um, on February 1st, Australia closed everything. They closed all interstate travel. They closed businesses. They closed private hospitals. Um, they got rid of civil liberties in Australia. Australia is a free country, or you know, I mean, they're not governed by. I mean, they're governed differently, I think, than we are in the U.S. But yeah. they're not China. They're not in a communist country, right? So they're allowed to do a lot of stuff, and they lost a ton of freedoms that they didn't even lose in the world wars. In either world war, they didn't lose these freedoms. And and Australia squashed a ton of freedoms. You couldn't move in Australia. What's Australia's numbers now? That I need to look up. Um, Zero. (laughs) Their numbers are zero right now. But did they now now remember when we were dealing with this in January, Mm. February, and March... That is coming into our spring, which means they would be coming into their fall. Right. They're like six, right? Six months ahead. Different season because you're in a different hemisphere. Right. Yeah. So So they're, they're opposite. Right. But here's the deal is that we locked down from China initially. We didn't lock down globally. Right. Australia locked down everyone. And there, it's easier to lock down, I think, Australia. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we could have locked down everybody. But I think it's hard. You know, the economies are quite different. Um, So we didn't even lock down the EU or the UK or Ireland or any of the, you know, European countries for a month after the first initial lockdown. Yeah. So, uh, so let's. A lot of Wuhan people go to Europe on vacation. 
So yeah, they, there was a lot of travel because China didn't lock down travel from China. I don't think ever. I never read that anywhere. You know, did uh, they did they did they no. keep people from leaving the country? No, of course not, because no. they left. <laughs> Correct. So my point is, is that they didn't have control of anything ever, not one time. That's why I don't believe their data. Oh, I don't believe their data at all. There's no way that they have less cases than us for sure. Well, I mean, they may. Who who knows? But the point here is that according to the timeline, which was very hard to get, even the stuff I have is still scattered a bit. It's not perfect, right? There's holes okay. and there's gaps in it. So as of 2018, 20, there was, 2018. As of 2018, there was 25 million people in Australia. 25 million, okay. 25 million. So, so the you, population you, of LA or something. Right? Population of, just, I mean, California has 50 million people. So out of their 25 million people, currently they have. Like LA County has 10 million. <laughs> total cases, 27,750. Doesn't even sound right. I know, but their numbers are amazing. But 27,750, 25,498 recovered, 907 deaths. Right. So we need to find something equivalent in the United States. The problem is Australia is so spread out. You know, it's not like 25 million people in one spot. They're not all in Melbourne. <laughs> no. I get that. But what I'm saying is they eliminated every travel. Like you couldn't drive to the next county, to the next, you couldn't leave your city. From what I read, I wasn't there. I didn't, I wasn't. At yeah, the but, but it's interesting though, in the data that, you know, cause we're going into our winter, right? Mm-hmm. In their winter, which was probably. No, we're going more, into our summer. We're coming into spring. They're going into winter. No, no, no. Yes. We are currently going into winter. Now currently. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I thought you meant at the beginning so, of this. So their winter, which was in our August was their winter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our August is their winter. So they did see a spike. Absolutely. From June, say right after June 18th to say September 19th, there was an absolute spike in the, in cases, which is what we are currently seeing now. So the, the question is, if we follow Australia's timeline for winter cases, then it's expected to see spikes or surge in cases. Now, after September 22nd to as of today, they've had very little cases. They're, they've pretty much flatlined and have gone down to very minimal uh, cases, but what's interesting though is Australia did see a spike in the winter time, and we're going to see we are seeing a spike in the winter time. So you you kind of have to correlate that as maybe you know, yeah. I mean that makes sense. I can I can see that. I'm just I don't know the the timeline to me is the timeline we've I, we've been able to find data, but notice how there's no one repository of accurate data. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't find 
a location that's just even the Johns Hopkins site, you know, that was so prevalent in the beginning of this that documented all the viruses and who had it and who didn't, you know. And then to me, we're fighting this political machine because the data is no longer about uh, the data. <laughs> it's about who said it, when did he or she say it, were they mean when they said it? You know what I mean? Do they do they really mean it? You know, people make it sound like whether it's for or against Fauci or for or against Trump, that these two guys are like mad scientists in the basement of a lab somewhere creating stuff. These two guys aren't doing anything. They're just talking about it. I mean, Fauci explained on July 17th, in an interview on NBC to Mark Zuckerberg, he explains why he changed his guidance on masks. Do you know that? No. Yeah. They see. protect you from giving infection to someone oh, else. If you have. So he says, that, he says, let me play. He goes, they protect you from giving infection to someone else. And to be inadvertently infected. And I'll get. Oh, it's going to play an ad for me. I don't know. So anyway, he talks about how it it protects, you know, now, now he knows more information and it protects you from giving it to somebody because of the incubation period of the, of the virus. It's pretty much what he talks about in mm. this conversation. But that happened July 17th. It wasn't here. There's such a, a significant percentage of the cases that are actually without symptoms. So anyone at any given time could be infected, don't even know it and feel perfectly well. I mean, cause like, like he just did there, he highlighted how the, there's so many people without symptoms that they could have it and not know they have it. Right. Yeah. So that's what made him change his mind on, on masks, change his guidance on masks. So, I mean, some of that's fair. I mean, my criticism of him is pretty harsh. He's been in the industry for a long time, and I've been in the industry for, what, an hour, comparatively. So sure. it's hard for – it's very easy to Monday morning quarterback someone's decisions as being made in a global scale, you know, like he did. But I think it's also unfair for social media and the world to say that we didn't do this or we did this right or whatever without going back and actually looking at the data. And that's why I wanted this podcast today Yep, was to go back and look and see what did we know? When did we know it? And how did we respond? So we've kind of highlighted the broken timeline with as much data as we can get because you went to WHO. I went to numerous, I don't remember how many, I should have documented how many different websites I went to. But I know the number was over 30. <laughs> was it? Oh, Damn. yeah. Easy. I spent. You went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I spent like between five and six hours just looking at time timelines and then trying to verify time timelines of the data. You know? Well, I, you know, when you're using Australia as an analogy for them locking everything down, I mean, they never really. Their largest caseload was July 30th, right. 721 people for 20. That just seems very, that seems, 
Are they not testing enough? No, they're testing. Are they testing the, like we are testing? Like any random person go get tested? That I can't answer. I haven't researched that much data on them. I'm just saying that it is ironic. The, um, the They went to really draconian measures on their lockdown, though. And when you compare somewhere that's sparsely populated like South Dakota, what's the population of South Dakota, right? That's a state that didn't lock down. That's the complete counter to Australia. You know? Yeah, let me see. Let me look into that. I think they only have probably a million people in the entire county, entire state of South Dakota. There's not a lot, right? So it's not 25 million. But let me see. South Dakota has, yeah, not even a million people, 900,000 people. So then Texas would probably be the closest thing to Australia. That's correct. They're around 29 million. Yeah. So Texas versus Australia would be. And there's a million, there's a million cases, over a million cases out out of Texas. Right. And they only have 27,000 in Australia. (laughs) Right. So then what's the difference? What do you think the difference is? Because I think the difference is the amount of lockdown that they did in Australia. They locked, and I'm not for lockdowns. I'm all about not, this is the first time in the entire anything that we've ever locked down healthy people. Yeah. We never, you generally don't lock down healthy people. You quarantine sick people, right? Yeah. So we never locked down, locked down healthy. In 1918, they locked down healthy people. Excuse me. They locked down healthy people in 1918. They did? I don't think so. Yeah, they told people were, there was old, uh, like, um, pictures of people that, you know, wear a mask, you must wear a mask and stay away. And yeah, I think, uh, I just don't think it was reported I don't think we have a lot. There's some things that you can see out there that you're like, Oh my, they, they did. They, they had signs and they were telling people, you know, don't come here, stay away. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, they didn't know. Right. But also they didn't have social media spreading data. either. They didn't have, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing though. That's the problem with social media is that you can, you can see, Say say there's ten cases in Texas, we'll say, mm-hmm. and social media will will report. Now so the news will report the ten cases. Maybe you get that report in the local news, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it gets out to national news. Maybe it gets out to national news or regional news, then national news. And if it makes national news, it's going to be broadcasted one time on five o'clock in the afternoon or 7 PM in the afternoon, whatever time you're near mm-hmm. the national news comes out. And that would be the end of it. That would be the, literally the end of that issue. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be like, Ooh, what's next? What's for dinner? <laughs> right. Oh, we got but, more news coming, right? There's more stuff. Yeah. So you have that same 10 exposures that are being broadcasted not only by the local news once, but continuously popping up in everyone's social media feed every 
five minutes. And if somebody shares it and you're friends with that person that shares it, guess what? You see it again right. and again and again. But so, I, I mean, I don't, I can't blame social media for this. I can't blame huh? social media. I can't blame social media for this. I'm just saying that it, it never goes away. Meaning it never goes away. Yeah. I, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, if we compare, uh, Texas to Australia, that's about as close of a comparison as I can make. And Australia has very little COVID deaths. Yeah, I would like and to know. COVID cases, you know. I would like to know how much they've been uh, testing. Do they test on the scale that we're testing? I don't know. There's 20,000 people dead in Texas. 20,000. And see, and they... and. Australia has 27,000 cases. So So, they have as many cases as Texas has deaths. Well, close. 7,000 different, I guess. The the 7,000 dead people would say no. I'm curious to see once we get get into our winter, they'll go into their summer. So I'm curious to see if their numbers spike again in the summertime. That's a good question. I don't know. You figure they had spike in March. The March would be their fall. And then they had another spike in July, which is their winter. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think Australia has dealt with COVID in the summertime. Uh, it's coming up, right? It's coming up on them now. Correct. It's coming up on them now. So I'm curious to see if they're... Well, they've got, I know they have three types of tests, and they're similar to ours, right? So they got the RNA test, they've got the rapid antigen test, and they got serology testing. So they've got, you know, three different styles of tests available to everybody in Australia. Yeah. Um, But I don't know what the testing numbers are. Yeah, and if you guys want to come on the podcast and talk to us, maybe you're from another country. Yeah. Hit us up at medically unbi- info at medicallyunbiased.com. Dot com. com. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know. And if uh, you found this information useful, let us know about that too. You know, we like to re- know that our listeners are actually getting something from this podcast i mean sometimes it's us rambling on data and it sounds boring as shit to the average individual but i do think that it's very important for us as medical professionals to truly dig into this information and not everybody's going to do that there's a lot of people who aren't going to listen to this or look at it nor do they care they just want out of whatever's happening right now but i think if we focus on what happened wrong and right we can create a better response next time because we all know this is something like this is going to happen again. You know? So uh, it says here, this data that I'm pulling up really quick, uh, tests per 100,000 residents in Australia as of August August 7th was um, in Victoria, it was 26,000. So they tested 25% 25% and the lowest is 10% of all the people in that area. But between 10 to 25% depending on the area. 
And the problem with our testing, which we've mentioned this before on our podcast before, is that we not only do we test multiple people or the same person multiple times, it's counted as multiple people, even though it's the same person. Correct. So, so the numbers can be a little misleading, just like I think everyone's been harping lately as like, oh, the, you know, the, the, we've, we're down 30% on deaths. <laughs> can only compare it to yesterday. And I say to myself, yeah, but we've increased our testing to millions of tests and see, we're getting, but Australia, Australia didn't even hit 25,000 COVID cases until August 23rd or something. It took them. I don't think they're testing enough, dude. I, or at least they're. I don't think they have the resources to test. No, I think they do. I think they have a ton of resources. They spent millions of dollars on testing. We spent billions. I get it, but we also have more people. But you know, if they're, how many people at at their in their country test multiple times the same person? I I can't answer that. We don't know. I, and how know, are they know, counting them? We know, you know I don't know. Here, I know, know that we're, we're counting every positive test, even if it's the same person positive three times. I'm just saying we know, know from that, here that there sure. are multiple tests on the same person many times a week, depending on what job you're doing, number one. And number two, if you feel like you have symptoms, you, you want to be tested. Right. I can't tell you how many people that have been tested multiple times. Now they've, they hadn't had it. They were negative. Right. But they, you know, for every, oh, my, I have a little sore throat. I should be <laughs> tested. And they go get tested. Right. But in August, like, there was nobody wearing masks in Australia in August. Just so you know. That'd be their winter time. But there's nobody wearing masks in any of these, you know, stuff I've seen. So. Who knows, man? Maybe maybe we did it wrong. Maybe we should have shut everything down. Nobody should have walked across the street. Everyone should have been shuttered in place except for us working in the hospital. And we shouldn't have ever seen our families again, ever. Okay, so there's 25 million people in Australia, but how? what's the biggest population of their largest city? Victoria, and I don't know how many. Like, I don't know. A lot. Not 25 million. Uh, no, that's not oh. Who knows? Right? Who knows? I mean, we can hypothesize about it all day, but at the end of the day, what does it matter? They are where they are, and we are where we are, and we got to move forward, right? Well, no, because you're, you're argue, the argument you're having is, is that they locked everything down completely, and their, te- their, their numbers are very small. Right. What their government did. Right. But we and, could we couldn't have done that, dude. There's no way. The the what we locked down here in the U.S. was already way beyond what our country even wanted to do. So now we're what two hundred and eighty four days to slow the spread. <laughs> two hundred and eighty four days. Hey, and it was supposed to be fifteen. It was supposed to be fifteen days to slow the spread, right? And by, now we're two hundred eighty four by Easter. Well, that's when Trump wanted to reopen, right? It was reopened by Easter. It's being positive, right? No, I get it. I'm not dis. I'm not disagreeing with that. I know, so. you're, not. I know you're not. I'm just saying. What do you want to? What do you? What? What do you want to hear? Doom and I, gloom? No, right? I, no, that's not the point. What I'm saying is, if this happens in the future, what's the step? What do we do? Do 
we are we really going to follow someone like Australia's lead and freaking shut everybody down? Gas stations and businesses, and you can't travel to Aunt Sally's house out of state. Like, what are, what are you going to do? Well, the, the biggest problem that I see is you say, what are we going to do? Well, well, why are people still getting it? If we had done such a great job of being separated and wearing our masks like we're supposed to, like good little children. Are you saying we didn't do that well? well why is COVID still around? Why are there? Why is why, the flu still around? Why is it amping up? Why is tuberculosis still around? Why, it's not why, are, in, why are ingrown toenails still a thing? That's what I want to know, really. The point, though, <laughs> that I'm getting at is if what they're telling us is the right way to do it to help mitigate the spread, right. then why is it increasing? Because not everyone's following. Like, not everyone's following it. And that's fine. I don't think everyone needs to follow it. But I am saying that all of the people in Australia followed it, it sounds like. By hell or high water, they were mandated to follow it by their government, and they did. Yeah. I guess it's easier when you only have 25 million people, not 350 million people. Well, and not to throw a monkey wrench into the whole system, but they also don't have guns. <laughs> so They got rid of all their guns years ago. <laughs> right. So it's easy to tell them not to do that. Americans love their guns, man. So they might have revolted. I'm just saying. They might have, but they're more alive than I guess we are. I, I don't know. Maybe percentage-wise, I don't know. Hard to say. 330 million versus 25 million? Well, you said there's 20,000 deaths in Texas? Yes. And they have 1,000 deaths. 907, to be exact. Right. So a small but percentage. There again, you know, out of the 29 million people that live in Texas, there's probably 7, 8, 10 million people in Dallas. Maybe there's another 2 or 3 million in Austin and Houston you know, and it, everywhere else. And then Houston and wherever else, right? There's millions and millions of people. For Australia, maybe, maybe there's 10 million and then everything else is spread out for the rest of the country. Yeah, I don't know the makeup of the country. Maybe there's a mil- million people in, in New South Wales. Maybe there's a million people in Queensland, maybe Western Australia, Southern Australia. Probably not a lot of people. Probably not as compact maybe. as Texas is. Maybe not, but it's interesting nonetheless. That is true. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this up. Everybody, I really want to thank you for listening. Um, if you like what we're doing, hit us up on Twitter, medicallyunbiased.com. Send me an email. Um, let me know what you think. And if you hate us, send me that message too. I love to read hate mail. I'm just saying. <laughs> sure you <laughs> do. awesome. So thanks again for sticking with us, and uh, we'll catch you the next time. And I'm out. Medically Medically Unbiased. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.